covering you from your LB1 to your taxi squad. This is IDP Nation. Manning back, pops, he fires to the far side. It's intercepted and running into the touchdown. Your home for the best in IDP and draft coverage. Daniel has time in the pocket, steps up, and he's going to be hit from the side, and he's going down. That's a sack. Here are the hosts of IDP Nation, Hollywood and Kyle B. Welcome back to IDP Nation. I am Hollywood, your hostess with the mostest, and I'm joined by my good friend Razor once again. What's going on, man? Not much, man. When did you get the sex change? You're a hostess, not a host? A host. You know what I meant, asshole. Hey, Let's shake it. You're fired. Kyle's fired right away. Just for that, Kyle's fired right away. See, yeah. it's that easy. Fired on his day off. You forgot last time. That's the first thing I said yeah. when we hung up. You were pretty upset you going with yourself, so you wanted to get that in early. You probably put a yeah. a little post-it note. I can see a little yellow post-it note on your computer. Fire Kyle, first thing. No, that's in brain, in my head. You know, Kyle Lena. You know, Mr. Big Time. That's right. Make a T-shirt out of that and take all the royalties. That'd be a seller. Then <laughs> you should. Mm. I wonder if he would even notice. I'm a, I'm a, he, 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 he I've got name, the hookup so I can make that happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got somebody that's doing all kinds of stuff for us: t-shirts, sweaters. They got. Tumblers, stickers, coasters. They got all kinds of shit over there at our store. We got a store now. Yeah. We're fancy. Hell yeah. I heard. I heard last time, man. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, Talking uh, about big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right out the gate, right? And this just happened, what, a couple days ago, yesterday? So the Browns traded Zadarius Smith. Or no, no, no. The Vikings are trading Zadarius Smith to the Browns. Um, and the full trade is the Browns get Smith, a 2025 6th and 7th, and then they're going to exchange picks, uh, or sending picks in 24 and 25 5th rounders to the Vikings. So basically two 5th rounders and a 6th and 7th for Zadarius, man. And, um, uh, He's already reworked his contract with the Browns, so $11.75 million this year, and then he's a free agent next year. If I'm the Browns, that's a pretty smart decision, right? Got to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little light on the return, and I kind of read that oh, different yeah. than you. I think they're really getting two fifth-round picks and giving up. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. Hold on a second. Yeah, you're giving up two fifths, but you get back Smith, a sixth, and a seventh. Yeah. So you're just – oh, okay, and 25. You're just yeah. dropping back. 24. Yeah. Around. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing. I, I You know, the Vikings just – some. <laughs> 
I, I know a lot of Vikings fans, uh, and I just don't understand that franchise, man. I really don't like some some teams just don't want to win. It seems like you know they don't. Uh, next thing you know, they're gonna trade Dalvin Cook and try to go with Alex Madison. You know, oh, yeah, just, I've seen that rumor floating around. They're out of their minds, it's man. Like it's stupid. Yeah, it's just fucking stupid. Why would you trade a running back in an era where running backs as studs, there's not many of them, right? They don't use them that way anymore. So when you've got one, why would you mess with it? I mean, I get the cat thing and all, but yeah, that's what it comes down to. It's all about the money every single time. But still, I think they still have 14 mil dead cap or something, even if they do uh, trade them. I, I don't know. Right. I, just, I don't like the Vikings uh, decisions a lot of the time and whatever. It's not my team, but a lot of friends of mine and people that are close to me are Vikings fans. So I feel bad for them in a way. Uh, I just don't get it personally. Like you can never have enough pass rushers. If he was really unhappy, I, I guess that must be what it is. Uh, something may have happened behind the scenes and they've buttoned it up pretty good. You know, like, uh, you know, the, the player himself hasn't said anything about it and the organization has kept it under wraps. Maybe perhaps that could be the case. Um, I don't know. Uh, it seems like a light uh, return. And the way I look at it is that uh, immediately what I did was I dropped Isaiah McGuire down. I have a top 40 out for IDP rookies for next year. And I was a little bit, Despite his slow 10-yard uh, split, I was high on Isaiah McGuire through the, the process, and now I got him down to 40, and he might he might drop right out of there. Him and Shamari Connor, I'm trying to kind of figure out what to do with both of them, but every time I look at the rest of the people that I would put up into my top 40, uh, I'm not all that uh, keen on uh, bumping somebody up into the top 40 more than anything else. Right. Yeah, um, I mean, I like it for the Browns, right? Because um, sure, they got a great solid rotation at the end, So yeah, yeah, completely agree there. Um, the Cowboys, and they, I mean, kind of sucks for Okoronkwo. They, oh yeah, that killed his value, I think. Well, I mean, not going to kill it because they paid the man, right? He's going to play, but. It's more of a rotation. Well, yeah, now. but I mean, from All what he was expecting to be with the current status, and now you sign Zadarius, I think it kills his value because he's not what In you. IDP. If you grabbed him before this, you were you were playing on the volume. With Smith, though, the volume drops dramatically, which I think makes his value drop. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. Maybe I misheard you. I'm watching the hockey game here, but. Uh... Yeah, they got oh, I mean, Alex, Alex Wright is there too. <laughs> True, so, and he did pretty good in spots last year. Yeah, but my immediate thought, as because uh, I've been focused on rookie so much, was well, there goes Isaiah McGuire's uh, deep sleeper appeal. Right. Yeah, it really hurt the rookies for sure. Um, the Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn told the reporters that linebacker Michael Parsons is not making the full-time move to defensive end, which is where NFL has him right now. 
Um, kind of funny. He said uh, he's a pass rushing linebacker. If you ever need a position change, come talk to me. So that's why we are we're kind of worried about MFL's position change. Right? So right now he's a defensive end. Um, you leave him at D, you know, until something changes. He's a defensive end. I mean, it doesn't matter. Now my my thing would be, it depends because somebody asked me and I said, well, it depends on Gary as the season gets here and stuff. Yeah, well, Gary, but as the season gets here, right, what's he looking at? Well, how are they using him the most? Yeah. So that's what's going to determine it. If, you know, if he's still playing 60% of the snaps as a DN, he's going to stay a DN. Now, if that swings the other way and it looks like he's playing 60% of of the snaps at linebacker, then Gary may look at it like, okay, we need to play him at linebacker instead of DN, but. Well, I'd say he's going to be up near the line of scrimmage a lot. So I don't really anticipate it changing, to be honest. I don't um, think he, it will either. I don't I don't view him as an off-ball linebacker anymore. No, no. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Like, even if 40% of the time he went and played linebacker, Gary's not going to move it. Play. He's going to leave it at defensive end. So, I mean, it's something worth watching. I mean, you're going to play him and start him no matter where he plays, but of course you exactly. want that DL or defensive end designation. Well, it depends on your league scoring too, right? It could hurt in some leagues, right. but a lot of leagues have some high defensive end scoring, you know what I mean? Um, so <laughs> it's really not going to make that big of a difference either way, other than like your roster composition as far as, um, you know, do you have, were you planning on having, did you have more DNs and less linebackers and you're counting on him as a linebacker and now you got to go find a linebacker because, you know what I mean, you're, you're one big uh, player down at linebacker. That's that's the only real impact in it because it's – depending on the scoring, though, I don't want to say that – you know, you have to know your league scoring like we repeat over and over again. And yep. if uh, – You'll know better than we do whether that impacts your team in a worse way than we think. But, you know, if it's an old archaic league that uses some sort of like archaic D-line scoring system, then, yeah, I guess it would hurt his value, right? But yep. ours are pretty balanced and uh, he's going to put up about the same no matter what for our leagues, uh, in my opinion. It's not going to change too much. It's just a, a matter of, you know, numbers now at DN versus linebacker. And off-ball linebacker in true position, there's a premium on that. So, you know what I mean? They're almost more valuable. Well, they are more valuable. I'll just come right out and say it. In true in true position, they're more valuable. They're, they're probably more valuable okay. anyway, just in general. Yep. You won't, you won't have a, a, a big stable of linebackers in IDP. Especially if it's tackle heavy, right? Tackle heavy scoring. And so much changes there, more so. You know what I mean? Like injuries, uh, position, like, uh, well, position changes and just, uh, just in general, like you could be in one day, gone the next, you know, here one day, gone the next. One year to an one year to the other, you, you never know what's going to happen at linebacker. And, 
even waiver wires can save you at linebacker in a way, but it's, I don't know, for me, uh, doesn't, doesn't really change my opinion much other than either I need to go add another linebacker now, or maybe trade a defensive end for a linebacker or something like that, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're playing him regardless. Um, of course, you want that, like I said, the defensive end or defensive line designation, depending on what platform you play on, but because that's where the value is at in most leagues. But like you said, you got to know your scoring and stuff. So, yeah, I'm spot on with you. Um, curious your thoughts on this a little bit. Um, so, the sale of the Washington Commanders, um, which Supposedly a six point zero five billion, a new NFL record, if it happens, is currently waiting on approval by the owners. Uh, and to be official, uh, twenty four of the thirty two owners has to approve it, which is basically seventy five percent of the owners. Um, I don't want to get into all the history and this and that and the other. My question to you is. Do you think this instantly changes the organization as far as on the field product? Yes. Uh, on the field product, not a, a ton, but it definitely instantly changes the organization. And there's more optimism, I would say, and more like I think that can trickle down to the field level, you know, like. Well, one people question were, I'd have is... we're probably like embarrassed it. by it all, uh, all throughout the organization. And now they're, you know, they probably feel a lot better about calling themselves a commander. You know, they're not right. maybe as much of a laughing stock. Right. So we've seen how when you got new coaches or a quarterback moves on, you have to kind of reset your organization. We've seen that, you know, especially new coaches, a lot of times when they come in, well, I didn't draft you, you're out of here, right? Or you didn't ever play for me, I don't need you, whatever. But from a like the top-tier organizational chief, you know, right, a new owner, does, that, does the new owner come in and say, hey, you're not my coach, you're not my GM, all the – I mean, of course it's it's probable, right? There's a shot of happening. Yeah. Do you think oh, this will – you think that will be immediately or do you think this owner will kind of wait a year or two and see what's going on? You think maybe? Oh, they got they have no choice but to wait this year. Like, they're not going to just make sweeping changes. They're going to reevaluate everything. Well, I wouldn't say reevaluate because they haven't had a chance to evaluate things, but they're going to evaluate things throughout the year and – Next year, there could be changes for sure. They're not married. They didn't make those hires. They're not married to any of those people. They're going to come in and, uh, you know, assess their uh, talent just like any other uh, ownership group. You know, they're going to they're gonna see. Yeah. They're going to, you know, like, it's, it's, it's this, this year, I, I wouldn't anticipate any changes, like, to the, uh, unless there's something, you know, that happens behind the scenes that's, you know, glaring uh right but Something we don't for, know about yeah gm or uh the coaching staff you know i'd say that all stays in place for, for 
2023 and then see how it goes. And I mean, it's not only the ownership that has to assess things. It's, it's the, uh, the, the coaches and the, and the front office as well. You know what I mean? Do they like working for their new bosses? I'm sure that it's going to feel better than it was, but I mean, there are going to be some situations where not everybody's going to get along all the time. Like there's a lot of people that work in a, an NFL organization from the top down, you know, like there's going to be some, but it's, I, I just want to say that it's not always just, you know, the boss that's making all these decisions, you can make the decision too as a head coach. Like, okay, I didn't like the way that year went. You know what I mean? Or uh, right. GM, I didn't like the way, uh, you know, uh, my opinion doesn't seem to matter as much anymore or whatever the case may be. You know, I don't like the way things are done now as opposed to the way they were done before. Even though people probably can't imagine that being the case, it is a possibility. Like, everything's new. So, but for 2023, I don't anticipate anything happening. Yeah, I kind of equate it to like um, Denver, right? And the Waltons taking over. Uh, the Walton Group or whatever it was called uh, took over Denver. So, you know, last year they kind of didn't do nothing, right? You know, they just kind of sat back, watched. Um, and then what did they do in year two? They come out and got a new head coach, right? Um, which I think was a great freaking hire for them, by the way. But Maybe that's something we can talk about later. Um, actually, I'll make a note of that. But um, this first year, you know, of this new owner, I don't care how smart you are or what you've done or known, right? When you jump from one profession to another, like the NFL, that's a big freaking jump. I mean, that's a mate. That's almost like a freaking one eighty, right? Um, and you don't want to rush, which I think is something we do in fantasy football, actually. You don't want to rush. You don't want to be over-aggressive and be hasty and make the wrong move, right? That would be the worst thing, I think, for this new owner for Washington is coming in and just start rolling heads and this, that, and the other. That'd just be dumb. He's going to come in. I don't think anything's changing this year, and maybe not even next year. Because I think he's going to come in and be patient and see what's going on, and he's going to put people around him that knows what what to do. And I think it's going to be not 23, 24, but 25 before we see any kind of a real huge change, right? Um, just kind of my thoughts on it. Um. Our next one is uh, Ravens GM Eric DaCosta said, the Ravens want to keep Patrick on this team. Uh, we will at some point try to get him signed. And uh, as we all know, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. And then they turn around and drafted rookie Trent Simpson. So Mixed what I'm taking from this when he said – Terrible yeah, news. Well, terrible news. Well – for Trenton Simpson yeah, yeah. Uh, fans but, like myself. I think owners, so too. Like myself. But they're just trying to get him cheaper, really. Sorry to cut you off there, but I this no, I you're fine. feel a little more strongly about. Um, I think it, what was it going to be, like 11 point something mil to sign him? So, you know, obviously. I think so, yeah. Yeah, well, like, that, that's almost like double what he's it is over double what he's worth in my opinion you know you look at some of the oh, contracts God. that happened this year like with Angelone and 
Kaiser White and you know what I mean? Like six mil is pretty much the going rate. So, uh, you know, you're not going to pay a guy 11.3 or whatever it was. And even, you know, with Baltimore, the way they usually do things, they, they are sort of a frugal organization. I mean, look what they just went through with everything with uh, Lamar Jackson and, you know, they're going to, they're going to use leverage when they have it. They're not going to cave to demands or, uh, you know, just pay somebody a ridiculous amount of money. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't lie. I don't like hearing that personally because I'm a Trenton Simpson guy, but also, I mean, just it all depends what happens. Like, uh, it depends how much Queen wants and it depends how much they're willing to give and if they can compromise and meet in the middle or we'll see. And this year is going to say a lot, right? They might just be stringing him along. You know what I mean? I don't anticipate See, them actually getting a deal done before the season. I think they're wanting to evaluate things throughout the season. They're giving themselves yeah. the opportunity to say, hey, which guy are we going to go with? Right? Well, that's then, exactly it. Yeah, and then and if they go with, uh, you know, uh, they find out that they're, the rookie's ready to go or close to, given the same, uh, you know, what, what they're looking for as far as uh, – responsibilities and uh you know taking care of uh like if he if he grasps the nfl playbook like that and if he looks at home on the field uh which you know he came from clemson a great program so i don't think it's going to be like a crazy transition for him but like if he if he looks comfortable out there and he does his job and uh he's even close to you know grading out the same they'll go with him cheaper rookie option why wouldn't they? Right. And, then, and that's kind and of then, and then it's just like, well, would you take a backup role, Queen, you know, and backup money? And if he he probably not willing to do that, so then you'll see him move on. Right. But, so and that's kind of what I think too, but here you know, you're right, and this is what that's exactly what they're banking on, right? Last year he had a career year. If you look at his numbers statistically, Best year of his career, but yeah. he didn't. You didn't feel that way in fantasy circles, it, and apparently the Ravens didn't feel that either because they didn't pick up his fifth year option, right? So here's, you know, at yeah, some point, doesn't make business try. sense to do it, even if you do like the guy. You know what I mean? Even well, if you do here's really what like the guy. You're not going to pay a guy five million over market value. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. But my, what I'm saying is, you're right. They're going to say, well, you can't do that again, right? So we're not picking up your fifth-year option. So he's got this year to prove it. You know, if he does, they're going to say, well, go ahead and hit free agency. We've got Trent Simpson sitting over here. He goes to free agency. Does he get a big contract? Maybe he does. But if he doesn't, then they can kind of say, well, you know, you didn't want to offer, so if you want to stay here, it's going to be a lesser deal. Um that's the little cat and mouse game that's being played. But I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he's in uh, Baltimore after this season. In twenty twenty four. Yeah, I think because this is his last year, so I think they let him walk, and I think somebody will pay him. I don't know who, but somebody will. I would is my guess. Um. I don't know how interested you are in this. I don't really 
pay attention to this stuff. I know it's this week was the the big boom and show and lights and all that. The NFL released its schedule for this year. So, um, I mean, it's kind of interesting to look at, I guess, more from personal teams, I guess, than fantasy. But some people do it for fantasy. I just – the schedule release has never mattered to me because I already know who I'm playing, right? You're playing your – your uh, um, Division rivals, you're playing them twice. Uh, you're playing all the number one seed or all of the same seeds, whatever seed you were. That's what you're playing. And then you got an alternating NFC team or AFC team, depending on what your team is, that alternates. So I already kind of know. So this is really no big deal to me. I don't know if it moves your no. needle or not. But No, I don't give a shit at all about it. It's all a bunch <laughs> of marketing fluff and. I don't, I like, I never watched a single one of these videos that everybody talks about or, you know, like. It, I see them every less, once in a while. I care less about that stuff. The thing that I care about is from a gambling perspective. I look at like, you know, who's playing where and, and when and, and uh, you know, like what, what chance does that give somebody like, uh, like for instance, like Seattle, you know, uh, in the NFC West, do I think they have a better chance now based on their schedule and, you know, the amount of travel time they have and uh, things like that, you know, and is the value there for me, which it ended up being. So I went for it, you know, because there is some uncertainty in San Francisco, but I've been on the Niners for long before anybody else was like three, four years, you know, now that I've been betting on the Niners as, as possible Super Bowl champs, uh, well, I'll say that I've I've put it down, put my money down for three years. I'm I'm almost positive for uh, Niners to possibly win the Super Bowl, but not huge bets or anything. I just I think they were like 16 to one uh, odds basically the last few seasons, so I thought that was good value. And uh, now I'm sort of flip flopping a bit, even though I still think the Niners are the team to beat in the NFC West. Obviously, it's just the situation at quarterback right. is a little bit unsettled and. You know, who knows? Or, you know, we'll see. But, like, that's what I – that's the only thing I care about. I, I actually look at the the games, you know what I mean, on paper and from a gambling perspective. That's all that matters to me. I don't care about the marketing hype. And apparently it's a really big deal for a lot of uh, people in these marketing departments. Uh, somebody was saying something like it's their Super Bowl when the schedule gets released. And I – he couldn't care less about that stuff. Yeah, I couldn't either. Um, just uh, some people do, some people don't. Um, you know, before we get to our main event, we got to do a few sponsors here. Uh, at My Fantasy League, you know, they sponsor our listener leagues, one and two, and the Dig League uh, on the NFL side. So, you know, I love NFL. That's where I play 90% of my leagues, and that keeps getting, you know, bigger as I've cut some of these other platforms off. Um, but, man, I've never had an issue with them. Anytime that I've had something go wrong, you know, I add them on Twitter or send them an email or whatever, and they're quick to respond. They fix it. Um, just overall, I think it's the best platform there is to play on. Um 
So we want to thank them yeah, for our listener leagues. Yep. I mean, I most of us play, right I don't play any you chop. I don't play in any, any yeah, other leagues. Yeah, well, I play in a few. I really feel but, like all the other ones are sort of minor leagues. And like you said, anytime there's a problem, you just put in a yep. ticket and they get back to you pretty promptly. They, they address it. And, you know, like uh, sometimes I figure it out on my own. There's workarounds. I, I find some of the stuff behind the scenes, you know, is, is a little um, not as direct as it could be, but I'm not a, you know, computer program or website developer. So I don't know what challenges they face there. But regardless, the point of it is, is that even if I do have a situation, I can rely on them. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm going to get lost in the shuffle. They're going to get back to me. And when I do find it and they right. tell you, please let us know. And they, they appreciate that a lot. So I would, I would put that out there for them, you know, uh, as your sponsor to say like, Hey, if you do figure it out, don't forget to give them, uh, tell them I own, you don't have to look into it because I'm sure they get a million questions. So I, that happened to me recently is why I'm saying it, but don't forget to tell them yeah, if no, you no, you're figure exactly it out right. in the meantime. That's, that's, you know, that helps them out a lot. Yep. You're exactly right. And, um, you know, well, you know, some people say, well, you're just doing that because they, they sponsor your leagues and whatever. No, if you've listened to me, especially on dig, I can't stand fan tracks. I think they're sucky as hell. And I don't care who knows it. Right. Right. Um, but in the NFL, I, you know, if I tell you I like something, I like it. I'm not going to – that's not how I operate. I don't go mm. – um, anyway, we want to thank uh, Trophy Smack because they uh, help sponsor us as well. Um, they supply championship rings for our listener leagues. Um, nice quality stuff, well-made, very heavy, shines, blings, stands out. Uh, it's really the best in the business, and they got plaques, rings, trophies. Uh, championship belts. Uh, man, those belts are something else. Uh, we need to get one of those for DWC. I know we've talked about it, but we got to get one. So um, go check them out. Uh, they've got everything you need for your league champion. Um, main event time. So I got a few questions for you. Um, okay. And we'll get into it. So Arizona Cardinals linebacker Zayden Collins now has. Dual eligibility on sleeper. So you can play him at linebacker, you can play him as a DF. Uh, as we all know, they don't have position specific, so they got the general setup. So, Dooch, does this help his overall value? And which position would you feel best that he's played at in fantasy? Like, do you think you, he's best as a linebacker, best as DL? Um, What's your thoughts on this? Um, that's sort of a layered question. Yeah, kind of was, sorry. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm going to say that the way I look at it is I look at Gannon's defense in Philly, you know, and I say to myself, he's going to be like Brandon Graham. That's kind of the way I feel like they're going to use him. And I know he's going to be playing DN. Like, it's a lock. It's a 100% lock. He's going to be playing DN. And I feel like from a positional standpoint in IDP, right, I think it's important to 
denote the difference between IDP and real life. Uh, I think he's, you know, just does just fine rushing the passer. It was a big part of his game in college. I really didn't really like uh, the way they tried to transition him to middle linebacker in Arizona. As I'm on record saying a few years ago in his rookie year, uh, I called him as being my biggest bust. And that's basically what ended up happening, you know, like not to toot my own horn. And I don't take low hanging fruit, right? I always go after uh, the... Uh, the guys that are rated highly, right? The guys that everybody are all over. And and that gives a better chance at a bus too, right? So that's another reason why I choose it. And then last year he rebounded and, you know, a lot of people still high on him, not going to give up on him. And I understand why, you know, he's got some great traits, but I've never been a big fan of his. And this year, you know, could be good for him as a player. And as, you know, overall, like you look at it from a real football standpoint, I think it's going to work out. And Jonathan Gannon, I mean, I'm, I'm having, I'm thinking about taking the over on Arizona's four and a half wins. First of all, because it's the lowest in the NFL. Second of all, I don't really see them like giving up. A lot of people seem to think, you know, that uh, they're just going to tear it down and start over and, you know, try to get Caleb. And well, first of all, like Kyler Murray's contract was just signed. It's almost impossible to get out of it. They're going to yep. have to trade them. They're, t- they're tied at the hip to That's him, whether they like it or not. You know what I mean? They got to work. Think I'm, sure it part, I'm sure it was part of the hiring process, right? I think he's going to be ready sooner than people think. I don't think they're going to rush him back, mind you. But they have Houston's pick now. That changes everything. You don't have to tank. Yep. You got, you got Houston's pick. That was crazy what Houston did. And, and you know, Arizona is <laughs> – Man, they they robbed them blind and they're yeah. sitting pretty. They don't have to, you know. Yep. They can they can be like the Detroit Lions this year if they want to. They can, you know, they can try hard and and try to win games and try. They can they got an outside shot at making the playoffs. If everything breaks right. There's a lot of talent on that roster, man. And Jonathan Gannon's a great coach, yep. and I believe in Gannon. And they're gonna change things around finally, right? I've been on the show I don't know how many years as a guest appearance or whatever, and uh, maybe three now, four possibly. I'd say three. And I guarantee you, every time I said Arizona is the least shittiest three, run. But it's probably it's above that for sure. Yeah, it's the shittiest run franchise in the NFL. You know what I mean? In my opinion, they're just they're ass backwards with everything they do. And you know, some of that stuff has come out. I didn't know all that behind the scenes stuff about how poorly you know the players were treated compared to other teams. And you know, I didn't I didn't have any idea about that. I just knew that they were dysfunctional from the top down, and it reflected on the field all the time. And I you know. I, I faded certain players in certain situations because of it, right? Like Zayvon Collins. But uh, now I really have a strong yeah. degree of faith, and it's a gut feeling more than anything else. And, I mean, it's ba- it's based on uh, what he did, you know, with the Eagles. But I, I just see him turning around the franchise, and I see the defense being a lot better. And I see them using guys better, you know, like the uh, Isaiah Simmons of the world. He was a unicorn coming out of Clemson, you know what I mean? They're going to find a way to use him. They're going to uh, play to his strengths, not his weaknesses. Same with Zayvon Collins. But as far as IDP, right. I mean, it's going to be less impactful, I think, right? The position change. But also, you know, I'm sure yeah. some people are probably envisioning um, uh, Mike Parsons type impact, right? I'm not totally ruling it out, but I just think that that's far-fetched. And I see more branding. Graham, but 
Brandon Graham had 12 sacks last year. So, you know, right. like it's not like I like I think it's going to work out both ways, but I see it working out more in real life than in IDP because I just don't think you can transition from middle linebacker to D end and, you know, but he's going to play better. Like 100% he's going to play better. Right. Because he's back to where he belongs. Like where he was in, in at Tulsa, like who he who he actually is before he got drafted, and they tried to change who he is. You know what I mean? Like I said at the time, right? It's well, not as that's easy the whole transition thing. from you outside know, linebacker to middle linebacker as people thought. Right, and then you know I agree with you on that, but I'm also with you. I, I didn't agree that you, I would think he would be a bust coming out of college, but this whole position growth thing, if you want to, or position change if you go back and listen to some of the early uh episodes of dig uh when he was at tulsa that was my thing right he come in they recruited him as a safety tulsa did so they got him in at safety and here's the here's the whole thing he was so huge in the training room hitting the weights doing whatever that he outgrew the safety position and they had to move him to linebacker, or uh, defensive, um, sorry, linebacker. Um, and the coach said at the time, if he continues on this path, he there's another move again. And what happens? You get in the NFL, they draft him as a linebacker, and now he's moving to defensive line. So <clears throat> I kind of saw this coming, but I kind of liked him wherever. I'm kind of hoping he gets up there as that defensive end, whatever position, that D-line, and, and I think his fantasy value takes a huge jump. But um, I don't know. His overall value, if he goes to – if you can play him at, on the defensive line, yes, I think fantasy, it helps his value, and I think that's his best position in fantasy. Real life, as we talked, that might be a little different, but I've always seen this growth coming from high school, just position jumping, and it's hard to – those are different positions, right? And I don't care if you played them for a couple of years until you finally lock into something and, can, and hone your craft. It's a little difficult at times, I think. So I don't want to be. Uh, maybe I said something that got misinterpreted. Like I think his value pretty much stays the same from an IDP perspective, right? But like the potential, the ceiling of where he could have been as a middle linebacker in IDP versus the end. I just gotcha. feel like it's a little bit more capped, but also I feel like he's going to play a lot better because he's playing where he's supposed to be playing now. You know what I mean? Like he's, he doesn't have to quarterback the defense. He doesn't have to, uh, you know, learn how to play line. Like middle linebacker is, is a completely different ball game than, you know, playing rush edge. Yep. Completely, you yep. know, you pick your quarterback and you go after the quarterback and, you know what I mean? Like, it'd be used a lot better. Like, that's what I just think about all of them. There's a lot of talent on that team. And I had arguments with people. <clears throat> I was going to make a bet, yes, two days ago, I think it was, with somebody about the Cleveland Browns game. I don't even know where that is on the schedule, but, you know what I mean? It's a long ways off. I think it's week nine. I'm not mistaken. So that would probably put it in November and uh, maybe even anyways, bottom line is, is I was going to bet, I was going to take 
plus seven Cardinals just because I don't like I don't think people really comprehend. Oh, they look at it like a fantasy team. Oh yeah, they're just gonna blow it up and yep. you know, man, I don't know one competitor, one person that ever played the game of football that was an actual, you know, football player, in my opinion, like a competitor, they would ever go into a situation saying that. And I don't think any of them are either. And I think contractually, you know what I mean? Like, I think the whole coaching staff is there to try to make a mark right away. How does it benefit them whatsoever to go along with that plan, even if it was the plan from the top down, which I doubt it is, because, by the way, the top down is the guy that's paying all that money for Kyler Murray. And if he does get rid of Kyler Murray, even though Caleb Williams is a stud, can't miss prospect, right? And, of course, I think Caleb Williams is better than uh, – but I still think he can win with Kyler. I think he's the best rushing quarterback in the NFL. I think that he could win a game on his own, particularly against somebody like the Browns, right? Even though coming into the season, I was high on the Browns. Mm-hmm. Like before the schedule release, I was thinking, you know, yeah, I'm taking the over, whatever the number is for the Browns, because I think that they're going to, you know, we've been, we're in some conversations together, and I've said this to a lot of you guys. But when I saw the schedule, I don't like the Browns' schedule so much, you know, and it's at eight and a half wins, and so I'm laying off. I think that's exactly where the number should be. But, I mean, their schedule is tough, man. Uh, like, look look at early season in particular. Some people are discounting the, the teams that they're playing. Like, and But anyways, bottom line is, I just think Jonathan Gannon has a lot of pride. I think his coaching staff that he's able has a lot of pride. I don't think it does them any good. Like, even if, you know, if things go wrong there, what are they going to say? Oh, well, the owner told us to – uh, you know, give up on the season. So we did, you know, it hurts him for his next coaching job. If, if it doesn't go well there, like, and they're just competitors. I don't give a shit. Like people just think this is fantasy football or something. Oh yeah. Just tear it down, start over contractually. You can't really do it. And like even guys like Zach Ertz or uh, right. There's only one way to get their value up. And even if they do trade them and Trey McBride is ready to come in behind or whatever, right? Like he's, had a few seasons now, and and if you want to make that move, great. And send uh, Ertz somewhere that he can win a Super Bowl, great. But I'm not counting out the possibility of them having an outside shot. Now, hear me well now. This is a real long shot, but it's an outside shot at making the playoffs. You know what I mean? If Jonathan Gannon goes in there and changes the culture and and all these things that we've talked about that are negative about Arizona – suddenly start to turn around a bit and the players start feeling it and, you know, there's positive momentum, you know, they got a lot, enough talent on that squad, you know, and, and Nuke stays there. That's another thing people don't get. Like, oh, yeah, well, look at their record. Well, you know, you can tell it's black and white when it happened. When Nuke went down, that's when the record changed. It's not rocket science, man. Yep. That's exactly when it happened. They were doing yeah. just fine. They were doing great before that. Now, was there going to be some regression anyway? Sure. But pretty obvious to me what happened. And they, they, you know, they filled some holes. They got, they did, they did a good job in the draft. I don't love BJ Ujulari, but Paris Johnson's a day one starter. They dropped down to six. They get Houston's first next year. Like that's the game changer too. They don't have to tank for Caleb. Yeah. Man. They got Houston's first. So, anyways, I yep. could end up being like an idiot with all this because I feel strongly about it and I'm talking passionately about it. And they could end up, you know, tearing some things down. And a lot of things can happen over this summer, right? And in June in particular, June 1st, you know, we'll see what happens. But 
and I haven't looked at every single contract on the team, but from a general, you know, uh, macro economics kind of standpoint, to me, it looks like they're tied into a lot of it. I don't think they really have a lot of choice. I mean, you always do have some, but for the most part, I think that they're going to go to war. And I think that this team has more talent than people think. And I think that they got more of a shot than people think. And so I'm going to probably take that over four and a half wins. And Kyler coming yeah, back. Yeah, I like, think so too. Seems to be ahead of schedule, sorry. And also, like, yeah, they're going to wait and make sure, for sure, right? But they have to find out, right? The yeah. coaches have to find out. They've never had him as a quarterback before. they got to see if they can work with him and if it works, right? I hate Kyler Murray. I hate his duck face. I hate his, you know, attitude and pouting shit on the bench. And, like, you know what I mean? I don't like the guy. I don't. But, like, they're going to find out what they got. They're going to try. Like, I don't think they're just going to mail it in because yeah, they, they got to assess him. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's my opinion. They on have the matter. To. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you uh, on some of that stuff. Um, I think they're better than four and a half wins with some of the talent they have, new coaching staff, whatever. Um, Cause you got the quarterback, but uh, for Zayvon Collins, I think back to our question, if you complain at the end or defensive line, then yeah. Yeah, no, his his IDP value is just insane. So <clears throat> uh you you kind of mentioned Cleveland a minute ago, and we talked about Zadarius Smith and the news and notes, right? Getting traded to the Browns. So I don't want to talk about Zadarius if we can do this. Um my question is does this help the value of Marcus Davenport in Minnesota? Now, we knew last, you know, they got Daniil Hunter, they had Zadarius, and that was a nice one-two combo. Zadarius just gets traded a couple days ago, but they signed Davenport in three ages, right? Mm -hmm. So, we know what Davenport is. We've been burned, and we've seen the good in New Orleans, right, playing with Cameron Jordan. Had a good year, fell off the face of the earth, you know, was hurt, had another good year, whatever. So the potential's there, and you can see it. There's flashes of it. Um, now that he's in Minnesota, playing with another superstar defensive end, with Zadarius out of the way now, what is your thoughts on the value of Marcus Davenport in Minnesota? Well, of course it improves. It's addition by subtraction. This is an easy question. I don't have to, you know what I mean? Because I was so long-winded on the last one and went on a tangent in a different direction kind of. Well, I guess because of my gambling. Question. Do you think, right, are you kind of gun of Davenport because of the no. injuries and the inconsistency in New Orleans? No. Um, I'd, I'd okay. look at him as a buy-low opportunity. I'd look at it as a great opportunity for him. To start fresh, you know, yep, more of a strong side defensive too. end. You know, I don't think he's going to be really – the pressure is going to be on him as much. Uh, you know, Crap. set the edge, do your job. All the rest that comes along with it is a bonus. He's got great length. He's got, you know, huge hands. He's a big man. He's, you know, he's – he's a, I, 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 I like it. You know what I mean? I he only, only way to go is up, really, barring injury. Like you said, and that is a concern, but that's a concern with everybody. So I don't really look like unless a guy yeah. is injury 
prone, which I suppose you could label them as, but I don't want to yet. And really for me, it takes a lot to be labeled as that. And I sort of take injury out of the equation with most players, right? Because uh, I just think that that's, you can't predict that. I mean, and anybody could get hurt on any play in the NFL. So, you know what I mean? Like, unless it's somebody that's just consistently hurt or, you know, if you own somebody for a long time, I guess maybe that's another thing. I haven't really owned Davenport. So maybe that's why I'm still willing to give him more of the benefit of the doubt. And maybe guys that have, you know, drafted him in rookie drafts and held on to him are probably just sick of him, ready to turn the page. And they don't care whether he's in Minnesota or wherever, New Orleans. And so maybe that plays a part. But for me, as far as the question, Yes, it helps the value of Marcus Davenport in Minnesota, and he's a good little buy low, uh, you know, for me personally. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not going to break one, yeah. but like, you know, if I don't have to give up, you know, maybe like in a mixed league, depending, like, uh, you know, I suppose maybe a fifth round value, maybe, you know what I mean? Would sort of be an overpay probably at this point and probably would get you him if you wanted him, depending on the state of your roster. And what do you think about that? If you own Davenport and I offered you a fifth rounder, you'd probably take it, wouldn't you? Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, he's kind of been. So See, you could maybe the, even get him for like kind a of sixth or a seventh. Eighth, even who knows? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, mean, I have no idea how how upset owners are with him because I never owned him really. But you know, if they're that sick of him, they you could probably get him for a late round pick. Try try eight and move yeah. your way up to six, I guess maybe. Yeah, I think so because I have him in a few places and I've kind of moved on from him. Right, he had four and a half sacks, six the first two years. Then he dropped off to one and a half. Then he come back with nine. Then he dropped off to a half. So it's been Jekyll and Hyde with him, and there's been some injuries. And I agree with you on the injuries. I think it's a one, two, three scale. One, you've never had – never or very little. I don't want to say never had, but very little significant injury. Two, you've probably had one or two here and there, you know, just unlucky. And then three, which I think you would put a player like Shaq Leonard in. Right? He's a three. Every year he's hurt. So he is injury prone, but not to get on that uh, <laughs> subtract on that. I just think that's kind of the thing with Davenport. Owners are kind of gun shy because uh, you said you never owned him, so you don't really understand or know that thought process. Well, well I have, and, and, and I think that pattern that you just uh, described as well. So to me, and this may be crazy, right. but uh, you know that bodes well for this year. If he alternates years and he had a shitty year last year, well, hey. Things are looking up. Plus, he's got the fresh start. Plus, he's got Daniel Hunter on the other side. You know what I mean? So, I, right. I just I, – I, I would definitely give you – let's just say we'll meet in the middle and say uh, seventh rounder. I'll do it right now. You got him in DWC? No, I think I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do the deal. You know, I think here. that's – and that's kind of what yeah, – there you go. Send it over. I'll accept it. But And I think that's kind of our point here, right? You see the flashes, you see the potential. At the same time, there's some issues, right? You've been burned if you're a, a fantasy owner that's kind of had him for the last few years. You kind of see that. Um, but I'm with you. I think in Minnesota, fresh start, 
on a team that's a, a little better than New Orleans, more of a win in history, a little bit, you know, lately. Um, and I think at the value you, you can get Davenport at right now, it's a no-brainer. So, because um, I think the upside and the value you can get him, that's that's the line you're towing, right? It's kind of like uh, um, um, how I met your mother, you know, Barney Scale, hot and crazy. you got to balance that scale, right, to make it work. So, I think with the value and the potential, I think you got to make that scale work. So, and what did they um, pay him? They paid him quite a bit, didn't they? Oh, man. Let's see if I can find that real quick right here. Uh, I'm on I, I'm, I think it was um, like nine, I'm assuming, right? I think – what did Arden Key get? I've been a little out of touch right. lately. You can look it up. But, you know, like, uh, I'm not paying the guy to go there and sit on the bench. Exactly. He doesn't have any real competition. Exactly. Let's see here. He's going to get the snaps. He's going to get the opportunities. So, well, wow. So, I yep. guess his signing I bonus agree. was 18.5, and he's like 13 mil average salary. But it's basically a one-year deal in a way here. Hmm, interesting. So, they've taken into account his spotty uh, history and injuries and – Sort of protected themselves against it, but okay. I just signed in. Uh, you go ahead, and uh, I'm gonna try to. Uh, I don't know. I just went to look at the contracts, and now I got to re-sign in. Yeah, go ahead, do your thing. But if you do a um, DWC, I'll take a shot on we'll it. Especially DWC, right? Because that's all IDP. So. Yeah. I don't um, know what draft while you're doing that, favorite, <laughs> your favorite IDP defensive lineman for the Jets, right? So they got Carl Lawson, who we've talked about could be a cap casualty because of his cap number. Uh, they drafted Jermaine Johnson last year. They drafted Will McDonald this year. They have Quinnen Williams on the inside, who's the superstar. They've got John Michael Myers. They've got Bryce Huff. Who, it, for IDP, defensive lineman? So this, you know, if you're singled into the NDL D tackle, which one of those guys are you targeting the most? Which one is your, your favorite? I'm just laughing at how many DNs you have. Oh, sorry, that's all D tackles. You don't own them. Let's see who does. Let's see if they go for it. So we can uh, sort of prove a theory here live for your listeners. And that can be part of my uh, 10 recent IDP trades I post on my website. IDPMadman.com is finally ready to go. It's up and running. Just uh, plug that for myself here. And uh, the Jets question. Oh, hey, beautiful. Sorry, I'm going to uh, just search who owns Davenport. But. So as I've been saying with the, with the jet situation, uh, the Carl Lawson contract, they can save themselves. If I'm not mistaken, I, and I've said this number so many times, I feel like I'm right. 11.4 mil. Yep. And uh, I like Will McDonald. He is small. He is going to have to add some uh, size. I'm not a big Bryce Huff guy. 
um, Quinn and Williams was added in there. So by default for me, that's like the answer. Uh, I own Quinn and Williams in some places and yeah. even places where, you know, DN and D tackle are combined and it's just D line and D tackle doesn't really score as high. It's not a D tackle premium league like uh, DWC or NWO, but I still start him every week. Right. I roll out him and uh, some other stud DNs. Like uh, I got two of them. I got Burns and I got Miles Garrett and I got Quinn and Williams. So, you know, I'll even trade Miles Garrett because of that and because of the scoring system. Or uh, I won't trade Brian Burns just because I've been on him since the beginning. And that's just one of those, you know, victories. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back. And, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't like him. And so I've always kind of been right about him, I guess, is why I refuse to trade him. But at a certain point, I will. And, you know, if he does get traded or there's a system change or what have you, like, you have to take all that stuff into account. But for me, by default, it's Quinn and Williams out of all those guys. And I think Will McDonald has a real high ceiling. He's a real boomer bust rookie prospect for me. I basically had to include him in my top 10, even though that is a fact, you know, there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen. I'm not a huge Jermaine Johnson guy. I, I don't hate him, right? I read his uh, my scouting uh, synopsis on him previously on here, so people could maybe listen back or I could read it again if I could find it. But they can save a shit ton of money with Carl Lawson if they cut or trade him. So, you know, he's up in the air for me. Yeah. I think that, you know, with them wanting to make the Super Bowl push, they're going to try to keep him. They're going to try to restructure him, I guess, would be my bet. But also, like, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. Like, there's still some other guys out there, too, right? Like, uh, uh, what's his face there from the from the Rams that used to play with Georgia? I own him all over the place. Um, he's, still a, he's still a free agent, and I'm blanking on his name. Wonderful, again, on IDP Nation. Know it like the back of my hand. I can start with oh, wow. uh, Unbelievable. Anyways, um, oh, my brain. <laughs> I'm looking at too many things at once here. So, uh, but like, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they did cut him or trade him and still add uh, somebody fr from free agency or, uh, you know, if Will McDonald blows their socks off, but you want as many of those guys as you can get. You want to protect yourself and insulate yourself against injury, but money's money. 11.4 mil is 11.4 mil. But the short answer right. is Quinn and Williams for that particular question. I would agree with you to a point. I think if it's position specific where you have to start defensive tackles, it's definitely Williams without question. Um, if you go to DL a little bit, I'm with you on the loss, and I think his days are numbered. They cut him, whatever, save the cap money, try to bring him back, lower deal, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I'm still in on Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald, right? Because here's why. We've seen it over the years, especially with the Colts when they had Peyton Manning, right? When you have a quarterback who can just score points at will, and they do now with Rodgers, Johnson and McDonald, they're just they're probably going to be playing with a lead most of the time, right? We would guess. So 
they're going to be able to just pin their ears back and go get it. So I think for those two young guys, especially dynasty-wise, those are the two you want. Um, dynasty-wise, general position, Johnson, McDonald. Now, Williams, he's so good at defensive tackle. He's not Aaron Donald level, but he's in that upper, upper echelon where defensive tackles can score points in general league. So I like Williams overall, but, uh, you know, if you're more position-specific, uh, you take Williams. If you're in the general leagues, I like Johnson and McDonald. They can sign Rodgers to another year. Man, what they they're just going to pin their ears back and go. So, just kind of my thought on it. So, unfortunately, Trip owns Davenport yeah. in DWC, and uh, ah. he's not a real big draft Nick like like us like me. He uh, often trades all of his picks. Okay, well, what did we say? Williams for what? What was the deal? Williams for what? Davenport. Davenport was, uh, well, for you, it was. Uh, oh, yeah, Davenport. Sorry, Davenport. going to be a seventh. And I only have a second, third, and fourth, and a seventh. So I'm going to offer it to him anyways and see what he does. But I highly doubt he takes it. But I can't. I'm handcuffed there because I'm not going to go all the way up to offering him a fourth, even though it is an IDP only league. So we'll see what he does. But uh, that, that gotcha. offer has just been sent. And then as far as uh, – it was Leonard Floyd that I blanked out on. Uh, he's still out there as a free agent. And, oh, yes, you know, Leonard he, Floyd, yes. He might be a good guy to get in there to sort of mentor uh, um, uh, Will McDonald in, in a little bit, in a way. And, you know, if they would, could get him for cheaper. Like if they if they get him for like – well, I guess it wouldn't be half of what they would pay for loss, and that's kind of ridiculous because he's still going to command a decent amount. But the longer it goes on, the more you know his it, it drops. But it, you know, if guys like Arden Key or what's what did Arden Key get? Is it seven mil or nine mil? You remember? He's a Titans guy as well. I think it was nine. I yeah. Nine. So, I mean, they might not save that much, right? Uh, so maybe they just end up do they just go with loss, and so. But I don't know. Uh, it's just too up in the air for me, and Quentin Williams is the safest thing there. Highest floor, highest ceiling, too, gotcha. really. You know, well, Will McDonald might have a higher ceiling. Yeah. But as, and then as far as um, my Jermaine Johnson, uh, I'm going to go back to last year and uh, let's see. I say... I'll try to get rid of the fluff because you made that pick and I kind of bust your balls a bit for fun. Cause you took them all the way up at six overall 1.06. And that's the first thing I say, I bust Hollywood's balls yep. all the time for fun. <laughs> and I think that some people may be surprised <laughs> that Johnson could end up being taken later than most think in the NFL draft, because a lot of people had him going really high in the, in, in the first round or at least in the middle of the first round. But he ended up going the end of the first round, if I'm not mistaken, or uh, I think he was their last pick. And they had the three picks that year, and I'm pretty sure he was the last of them at the end of the yep. first round. They had the three first rounders. I said I personally like the player. 25th, I think. Or... I feel it's in the 30s, but yep. maybe I'm wrong. You can look that up while I say this. I personally like the player and think that he'll be a solid pro despite my bias against FSU. I really like his hand usage, despite the fact that he doesn't have a wide array of pass rush moves, in my opinion, and the fact that he plays fundamentally sound football. So that alone, being a team player, 
will get and eventually keep him on the field for the necessary snaps to accrue IDP relevant stats. His 10 yard split is fucking sick and his broad jump, another test result that is indicative of overall explosiveness is 92nd percentile. His weight is a bit of a concern for me and it shows up on tape with more stalemates than you'd hope to see out of someone projected to go so high, which is why I think that he may slide a bit on April 28th. So I write this before that draft that year in 2022. So I guess that was only last year. Um, Still, some team is going to draft him knowing these things and you, and he will be a system fit for whichever team does. So I'm not overly concerned because he's a high effort player that will get his name. And that's probably why you like him too. He'll get his name in the box score, even just by virtue of being where he needs to be and falling into some stats, so to speak. Overall, what I'm saying is that the explosiveness doesn't always show up on tape. And I think he can be neutralized, especially given that I don't see the ability to consistently disengage. I don't see a guy that will not lose considerable yards chasing to the sideline even, despite the measurables. And another concern is that the prospect's age. He'll be 23 years and eight months old to start the season. So that means he'll be 24 and eight months now this year. And his inability to beat out the competition at Georgia before transferring to FSU. He did look really good in uh, on-field drills at the combine and displayed great hands for a D-line. He had some kind of he had a pretty sick uh, interception, uh, if I recall correctly. So that's why I wrote that. So he'll probably play a large percentage of snaps for whatever team he goes to, and be a solid IDP contributor due to that versatility. Even if he never becomes great, which I don't believe that he will. So bottom line, this is a very good, but not great pick, just like the player himself, in my opinion. So that's long-winded, but that's exactly yep. what I think I don't, I Yeah, no, you're fine. I don't think he's elite, but I think he's really good, right? Couldn't cut it at Georgia, but he goes to FSU where he's getting the volume, the playing time, and he did what he's supposed to do, be a stud. So um, NFL, I think, you know, with Rodgers, him and McDonald, I, think, I like the young guns uh, on the outside dynasty-wise. Position specific, still Quinn and Williams. Um, so we got a few listener questions here, um, and some good ones at that. Um, first one comes from Twitter. Uh, our boy Justice, that we know that plays in a couple leagues with us, does dig with me. Uh, he wants to know what our thoughts on Jonathan Owens is in Green Bay, um, and I gave him four right away. First of all, he's going to Green Bay, who needs somebody to play next to uh, Darnell Savage. Check. Um, they had Eamon almost Amos, whatever his name is. They had Adrian him. They didn't Amos. sign him, and he was horrible. Uh, he was completely Adrian Amos, yes. Completely horrible. Cost him some games. Um, you know, they didn't re-sign him, so there's two. Uh, three. You know, he showed he could play next to a stud safety. He did it last year with Jalen Petrie in Houston. So, you know, going you know, going to Green Bay and playing with Savage is not going to affect his numbers at all. And, in fact, that was my fourth point was there's going to be some struggling in Green Bay. There's going to be some growing pains, right? You're, you're switching from a, a Super Bowl-winning quarterback to basically a rookie. Um so I expect that defense to be on the 
field a little more. Um, and I think that helps Owens. I, fantasy-wise, I don't see a drop-off in him at all this year. Um, I actually like it in Green Bay. I don't know if you feel the same way, but uh, fantasy-wise, I think he's you can keep on uh, moving with him right now. Well, the first thing is I sort of take issue with, like, great safeties. Like, I don't view Darnell Savage as great, and I don't view uh, Jalen Petrie as great. Well, I think you know what I mean. Just, yeah, but, like, yeah, can they coexist together? Sure, right? But, like, oh, big surprise, the Houston safeties both had huge tackle numbers. You know what I mean? Like, the shittiest team in football had a lot of opportunities on defense and they capitalized because they were getting torched. You know what I mean? Like, of course they're going to have lots of tackles. That's why like it sort of pisses me off this IDP game a little bit with like the landing spot is, is the key, right? Like Jalen Petrie, your talent evaluation of him doesn't really matter. He got, he hit the jackpot and went to Houston. So, you know, he's going to, he's going to have lots of tackles. Right. And, so if you drafted him late in uh, any draft, mixed league or whatever league, you're laughing. You got lucky, plain and simple. You can't sit there and say, oh, yeah, I always knew he was going to be great. And, uh, you know, I know what I'm talking about. That has nothing to do with it. You went to Houston. And so it's the same thing with Jonathan Owens. And right. so I don't know. He, well, he had like some crazy tackle numbers last year, like 120. But he was a good athlete, man. He came from some Division division two school. Yeah, 125, 84 solos. Yeah, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't know D2 that well, but I recall something about a 43-inch vertical or a 42-and-a-half-inch vertical or some shit out of this guy, and he ran like a a low 4-4, maybe a 4-4-3, if I'm not mistaken. I have no idea. I'm just coming – this is just off the top of my head, but he tested real well. And then I, I remember reading something about him because, like, he kind of came out of nowhere last year, right? And I was like, who is this guy? And so I was like, and I mean, Houston, right? right? Obviously, but also you still got to do your homework. And so I looked into it and, and I think he was, he was drafted by Arizona and uh, he had an ACL injury. And then he, he was something about, he wasn't allowed in their facility or I can't remember what the hell happened. And he was practicing across the street or some shit. And he was getting kicked out of their practices <laughs> or sorry, he was, he was getting kicked off the field he was trying to practice on because, like, there'd be, like, an intramural soccer game or something. And it really motivated him. And it was, like, <laughs> right across, it was right across from the Cardinals facility or something, right? Again, this is sort of Bush League stuff that Arizona is getting accused of now that's just come out, like, whatever, last year, pretty recently. But we didn't know this at the time. But anyways, bottom line is, is he got a shot in Houston. Then he makes the 53. First time in his life he makes the 53. And there's something I, there's something else about him. Uh, I looked into it. Uh, I want to say he's married to somebody famous or something like this or there's some, some weird quirky thing like that. Anyways, uh, uh, but he gets a shot in Houston. And lo and behold, I mean, if you're starting safety for Houston, you can just chalk it up, man. Those tackles are going to come. But – for this year with Green Bay, like you said, there is going to be some growing pains there. We don't know what love is going to be. The defense could be on the field more. There is up arrows pointing uh, next to Green Bay's IDPs, in my opinion. And, you know, is he going to have the exact same amount of tackles he had at Houston last year? I doubt it. Could he come close? Yeah. 
what did Adrian Amos have last year? You know what I mean? Like that's basically his floor unless he gets injured. So maybe somewhere in between the two, you know, and I think even Amos might've had, you know, a hundred tackles or so like c combined. So he was definitely probably in the nineties, like high nineties. So from an IDP perspective, he was even useful. And so I would kind of middle that between whatever Amos did last year and whatever, but that still could end up being like, that's a hundred tackles, right? Uh, that could be 110, you know, it might even be Houston numbers last year with the growing pains, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's a cheap, you know, why not? Why the, why the fuck not take him? And like I said, I'm pretty sure he's a great athlete. If I'm not mistaken, I might have, I'm real close on those numbers. I wouldn't be surprised if I nailed them because I'm pretty good with that stuff, but. I'm going to look it up. Are you still there? Hollywood? Can you hear me? Anyway, uh, I'm not sure uh, if I'm stiff. <laughs> You're frozen or I'm frozen on your end. So I'm just going to keep on going. I'm here. So, I'm here. Did okay. you not hear me? No, sir. You were frozen. And the clock was still going on StreamYard. Sorry, my fault. No, we're still good. I, I could hear you. I just couldn't answer for some reason. Um, but, yeah, Amos had 102 tackles last year, so you were really close. Um, Owens had 125 in Houston. So, um, oh, shit. So I'm going to look him up right now. All right. So first of all, he's married to uh, uh, Simone Biles, the Olympic uh, gold medalist or whatever in gymnastics for you guys for the States. Uh, yeah, he went to Missouri Western State for four seasons in D2. There it is. Well, uh, I don't know if I said 42 and a half or 43 inch vertical, but it's 43 inch vert and uh, 443. Nailed it. Beautiful. And he had 18 reps at 225 and 11 foot broad jump. So, I mean, he's an athlete. I never watched his game tape, and maybe I will after this, but, you know, it's for, for the price you're going to pay for this guy. And now I don't know if I'm on or you're on, <laughs> but I would take a shot. Yeah, why not? This is not good. Hollywood disappeared on me. If I'm the one still on or if he's the one still on, I'm not really sure. But um, I guess I have no choice but to continue on and hope that he comes back or see what he says. I imagine my phone's going to be buzzing here shortly with some instructions. But uh yeah, so that's my thoughts, Justice, even though uh, I don't feel like you need any extra help and uh, <laughs> we're in some leagues together. So that's my thoughts on Jonathan Owens begrudgingly to you because I'm just somebody who's going to tell the truth anyways. And uh, But good question, obviously. That's an excellent question, Justice. Yeah. Now, some yeah. Frank Sorry from the Turtle that. wants to know who's the – Hey, he's back. I moved, I moved on to yeah, Franklin the Turtle and – 
best rookie inside linebacker after Jack Campbell. Okay. Sorry about that technical difficulty. Um, had some issues there. Tennessee um, Internet. Tennessee Internet. That damn aluminum foil and coat hangers, man. I'm telling you. Screw you up every time. Um, so, best rookie inside linebacker after Jack Campbell. Man, I think it's Trenton Simpson, in my opinion. I don't know if you feel the same way, but. Yeah, um, he's my number one linebacker, but I just want to sort of go back to the Green Bay thing, actually. Uh, I just looked up uh, Adrian Amos to see what kind of athlete he was, uh, and he was uh, – he only ran a 4.56, and he had a 35-and-a-half-inch vert and 122-inch broad jump. And just so basically, like – well, the first thing – I want to say is Green Bay, you know, typically doesn't value safety position at all. And uh, like Kyle and I were both waiting to see when they were going to address it in the draft and they didn't do it to the very end. So that's another thing I wanted to talk about is uh, they got that kid out of uh, Iowa State um, in the seventh round, uh, blanking on his name again here. Uh, I'll find it. Uh, but he's a free safety and uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. But Green Bay yes. with their – and just typically in the NFL, right, and in general and, and even in IDP, safety is devalued like we've been talking about. I mean, they got Rudy Ford on the roster, for God's sakes. They converted Tariq <laughs> Carpenter, the linebacker at a Georgia Tech, to a fucking free safety somehow. So Anthony Johnson Jr. is somebody I could see maybe moving up the depth chart here. And I'm going to look at Darnell uh, Savage's contract because I'm guessing that they're trying to move on from him maybe after this year based on drafting Anthony Johnson. And so Jonathan Owens really, if anything, might be an upgrade over Adrian Amos. And, yeah, like he's still going to produce. It's just a matter of, you know, is it going to be 100 tackles or is it going to be 120? That's basically where I'm at with that. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much you heard before I had the issue there, but yeah, for I know it's 102, Owens 125. For Owens, it doesn't change much, right? I think he steps in there and does the same thing. So <clears throat> just kind of where I was at there. Um you mentioned our buddy on Reddit at uh, Franklin underscore the underscore turtle. Um, love these names, by the way. Best Ricky inside linebacker after Campbell, and I kind of mentioned it a minute ago. I think that's Trenton Simpson. I think you may have to wait a year. We're going to have to see this Patrick Queen mess play out, right? We talked about the back and forth. I think he's going to beat him out. I think he is too, but if at the very early. least you wait till next year, at the very least. Um, but I think he's better than any other of the rookies other than Campbell in this class. Yeah, I'm, uh, I got I got Simpson, then Drew Sanders. Uh, and, yeah, both might take some time. But, like, I liked Simpson's transition even more so than Sanders. Like, I have – a lot of people had Sanders over Simpson. And probably, like, the pass rush, uh, you know, there's a premium placed on that. But – like, I just feel like Sanders just transitioned to linebacker last year. Simpson is great athlete. Uh, I love the kid. So, 
But that's from a talent evaluation standpoint. There's a lot of linebackers that landed in some great IDP, like because landing spot matters more than talent evaluation. As frustrating as that is, it, it definitely does. And you got you know uh, guys like Dion Henley in it for the Chargers. You know what I mean? Like he's gonna get a shot. That's that's 100 certain. And um, uh, Dorian Williams for the Bills. It's between him and Terrell Bernard. So even guys that I'm really low on from a talent evaluation standpoint landed in perfect spots. Uh, they got very limited competition. And if they come out the gate strong and they prove that they can handle it mentally, well, there's a lot of things they got to prove. But I mean, so from a talent evaluation standpoint, it's definitely uh, Simpson and Sanders for me. And I really value them even greater from a talent valuation standpoint than I do um, uh, right so uh, the guy Detroit just uh, drafted with the same Campbell. name as their head coach Campbell yeah so I like Simpson and Sanders more than I like Campbell but um, I got too many things going on here sorry uh, no, you're fine but landing spot is everything so just depends. I don't know if there was any context given. And I assume that because it's IDP nation and, you know, we're talking about IDPs, that that's what they want to know. Um, right. So, and that kind of leads me value. into the next question because you mentioned Henley, right? Dayon Henley. Yeah. And um, yeah. uh, another Reddit user, Ace King Spade 81, he says he wants to hear why, I, we don't believe there's any real difference between Simpson, Sanders, and Henley. And immediately for me, the differentiator or difference is Simpson's more of a true inside guy, right? Former safety linebacker. Sanders and Henley are more, and, and both of them have played outside linebacker, have played defensive end type roles and linebacker, I think they're more pass rushers where Simpson's more of a true inside guy. So fantasy-wise, that's kind of why I like Simpson better because I'm looking at the fantasy right. If you're playing inside, you're getting more tackles, especially tackle-level scoring. Um, that's kind of what separates Simpson from Sanders and Henley for me. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way on that part, but. Yeah, I do. And that's basically is reflected in my rankings, even for next year, right? Like on my site, I have Trenton Simpson at number 11. I have Campbell, like Jack Campbell could be 1.01 IDP rookie for 2023. I have Jalen Carter ahead just because my talent evaluation is so strong with him. And I feel like he had something through. I mean, there are definitely red flags, but he went to the ideal situation. And then I have Will Anderson and then Jack Campbell. But, I mean, you could – it's very easily I could have Jack Campbell at 1.01 just based on the draft capital and the landing spot and, you know, IDP from an IDP perspective. So then I got Trenton Simpson, and then I have Dion Henley – and Drew Sanders and DeMarvey and Obershawn all in a clump Ooh. at 16, 17, 18. And I don't like Henley from a talent evaluation standpoint, even close to what I like Drew Sanders, but just the landing spot. Drew Sanders isn't going to take over the green dot from Josie Jewell right away this nope. year. 
unless there's nope. an injury, right? So exactly. that's that's why that is. And Demarvin Overshone is just I feel like he's a bit of a tweener right now. He's a little bit undersized, but he has no competition in Dallas. He can easily go in there and start. You know what I mean? Like he's got the the two guys from LSU there ahead of him are in the mix. So, so you wouldn't surprise me to see him play right away either. But I just think that he needs more seasoning, just like the jump from, even though he went to Texas, from Texas to Dallas in the NFL with his size. And just, I feel like he needs more seasoning and, and like from a developmental perspective that it might take a couple of years for him. So that's why I have them ordered like that, but they're all in one big clump there. And it's frustrating because your talent evaluations, you know what I mean? You don't, I don't want to have Dion Henley over Drew Sanders. Can't stand that I have to have that, but the landing spot dictates it. So from an IDP perspective, that's what you have to be able to do. You have to be able to swallow your pride, say, well, you know, even though I think I'm right, I still have to rank the guy that I feel that is worse in real life over this guy because of his landing spot and his opportunities. Right. I agree. Um, Reddit user hate mail 375. He's a new follower. Shout out to him. He let me know tonight. Uh, he's going to be a new listener to our podcast. So shout out to him. Um, his question is which rookie corner puts together the best year this season. So automatically right away, we're seeing an impact from last year. Chauncey Gardner, and Tariq Woolen, right? Basically, one, two in the defensive rookie of the year, their impact, everybody's on them. So he wants to know which Chauncey rookie Gardner corner this Chauncey Gardner Johnson was not a rookie last year. Chauncey Gardner not Johnson. Not Chauncey Gardner. Around. Sauce Gardner. My bad. Yeah. Sauce okay, yeah. Ahmad. My bad. Uh, I was yeah. thinking of something else. But Sauce Gardner and Tariq Woolen, um, defensive rookies of the year, basically. Well, Gardner was. Tarulin uh, Woolen was right behind him, so you're seeing the impact of that now. Now everybody's wanting to which rookie corners puts together the best rookie season this year. First of all, don't go chasing rainbows, right? You're not probably not going to see Sauce Gardner and Tariq Woolen happen again for a long time. Not not like that. So, what's Kyle always say? Our buddy Johnny the Greek. String corners. They string the position. You can find production at that spot. But to answer your question, for me, it's Devin Witherspoon, right? Um, he's just a freaking monster at corner, physical, can play the run game, all that good stuff. So for me, I think it's him. I think he puts up the best season. But I will say this. I'm really intrigued with Christian Gonzalez in New England. what? Because I don't think Bill Belichick's had a corner quite like him. I know he's had Gilmore or whatever, but even still, uh, Gonzalez is something special. So frame-wise, you know, hot weight, speed, all that. So the one year at Oregon. Um, what do you think, dude? Uh, yeah, I agree with streaming corners. I agree with not overvaluing them. I disagree with like thinking about it from defensive rookie of the year standpoints. Like you're not looking for the best corners. You're not looking for first round corners. You know what I mean? You're looking for the shittiest guy that's still going to play a lot of snaps wherever he is. You're looking for the corner that's going to get picked on the most 
that still keeps his job. That's what right. you're looking for in IDP. So, you know, taking guys later is the way to go. Taking like, you know, like Roger McCreary for me last year or, uh, you know, uh, guys that aren't like you're looking for kind of like a slot corner, maybe in a way more. So you're not looking for a mod gardener. He's a shutdown corner. Nobody's going to throw his way. He's not going to get IDP stats. Or at least that's the way I feel. I don't really look at them, to be honest with you. I don't know how he would have scored compared to the others. I could look right now, but I'm betting that he's probably not even a top 20 corner because he doesn't get challenged enough. He's a, he's a, you know, he's on an island and he's, you know, you don't want to challenge him too often if you're a quarterback. You want to stay away. You want to, you want the cornerback too for the Jets is what you want. Right. Exactly. That's exactly, that's exactly what you want in most situations. You want the guy opposite. That's why for me, I think I was going to talk about this later. The Atlanta Falcons situation is interesting to me. The Arizona Cardinals situation is interesting to me. I mentioned that last time, but I did not yep. mention the Atlanta Falcons one. And I think Jeff Okuda is a good buy, right? For cheap, dirt cheap, price of a mouse click. If you play with, you know, uh, a league that corners are valuable. Because uh, on the other side, they got A.J. Terrell. And he's a good corner. So whoever's playing opposite him is who you want. And so for, for rookies, rookie corners, like I understand the style of play. Why you mentioned Devin Witherspoon and Gonzalez, right? They're both good tacklers. Witherspoon's more of a smack you in the mouth. And so I get that, right? Sure. That's a, right. that's a good pick. And Gonzalez, I saw some crazy thing. I don't pay much attention to PFF much, but like when I was doing my research, I saw some statistic about how many of his tackles were within five yards of the line of, line of scrimmage. And that really impressed me. Right. And he is a good tackler. Like he'll come up and tackle. So that's not a bad pick either, but like, you don't, you, you, in my opinion, you don't go after those guys. You know what I mean? You're not going to try to, you know, outdraft somebody on these names that are first round corners, which, cause they're probably the best corners in the actual real life draft. And from a talent evaluation standpoint, no question. But for IDP purposes, you can get cheaper guys that might not even go in a draft at all or off the waiver wire, right? Stream them, like you said. So that's the, right. the, the short answer is you want the shittiest corner <laughs> you can find that's still going to play. Right, and I completely agree with you, and I think that's that was the point of my, my point I was trying to make, right? Hate mail 375. He says, which rookie corner puts together the best rookie season this year? And I agree with you. You want the sh rookies that play against opposite of the superstars, but don't go, like I said, too, don't go chasing the defensive rookie of the years last year. Cause that's not, that's not normal. That's not the normal thing. So um, good question though. Uh, Cause there's a lot of people just, they don't feel the same way. So um, it is we got one more though, question. To look at corners from IDP perspectives. Like, yeah, go ahead. No, that's fine. I just that's all I got to say. It's interesting sometimes. It's, it's fun. It is. I mean, it's a because it's like it goes the last against everything thing that list. we know fantasy wise, right? Like offense, defense, especially, or offense especially. Uh, the more yards, the more touchdowns, blah blah blah. The more tackles, the more sacks. Every position almost is geared that way. The more you can get, the better fantasy player you are. And corner is like the one 
opposite, right? You have these anomalies every once in a while, but you, like you said, you want the shittiest rookie playing starting opposite a superstar. That's you know, rookies get targeted or just, or and all just that. having a lot of opportunities, right? Exactly. Like Roger McCurry last year. Yep. Yep. Agree. Um, our last question. Well, he's got two questions, but uh, Reddit user Thanatos underscore marathon dynasty IDP. Who are your top two favorite rookies at DN linebacker and safety? You want me to go? I usually wait for you to go, but yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I'm gonna let you go because I already answered so this question on Reddit. So you go ahead and tell me all of them. Oh, DN linebacker and safety. Okay. Well, like I said, there's a difference between how I feel about them in real life and, you know, how I'm grading them out for possibly where they're going to be drafted in the NFL, talent evaluation, or, you know, IDP and landing spot. But, you know, obviously I'd be a fool not to say Will Anderson, right? Even though, you know, like right. I've said, you know, so. And then I kind of feel... <laughs> I like a lot of edge, right? There's six or seven edge that I feel, uh, well, actually eight edge that I feel strongly about. Well, I feel strongly from a talent evaluation standpoint about 10 of them, but from landing spot two, I'll just go ahead and say Will Anderson. And for me, Tyree Wilson, because he has an easier path, I think. Although, you know, I wouldn't expect it. It's hard to say, right? He's recovering from the foot injury for one thing. And another thing is, you know, uh, he might not completely displace uh, the people ahead of him just right away, right? Like, uh, and, but Miles Murphy is going to be in a rotational role right away. I think he's the third guy in. Luke Van Ness, same thing. Uh, but, you know, Tyree Wilson kind of could take over right away more. So, I'm going to go with Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson. Uh, although I love uh, Will McDonald more and more, I look at him. Even Isaiah Foskey's in a pretty good spot. Byron Young landed in a fantastic spot, in my opinion. Man, why did this change again to the Chargers? It's the Rams. For God's sakes, man. I started looking at him. I have to edit this on my page before I forget. So you can go ahead with your two DNs, but... Uh, I started to look at him sort of as uh, Von Miller. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's kind of the role that they want for him. You know, I'm not saying that he is Von Miller, but he does have some great traits. And, you know, I think that's the role that they would like him to play. You know what I mean? If they can get uh, anywhere near that sort of uh, production and, and uh, um, ability and ability to grade out in their system from him, then that'd be fantastic. I don't know why this keeps changing from Rams to Chargers on here, though. Yeah, so minutes. I'm with you. Um, defensive ends, Will Anderson, right? Um, he's just got – I've been saying it from the get-go. I'm not backing off of it now. He's going to be the monster down there in uh, Houston. Um, Will McDonald, he's a favorite of mine. I think he just fits so well with what the Jets want to do. <clears throat> especially now with Rodgers. We talked about that. <clears throat> and a sleeper of mine we've kind of mentioned before, too, is K.J. Henry, right? Um, 
what do they do with Sweat and Young? I think he could be a really good sneaky pick to get some reps this year and be ready for 24. <clears throat> um, who did you have at linebacker for your two? Uh, talent evaluation, it was uh, Simpson and Sanders, like I said. And right. <clears throat> now so – see. I like and there's a whole clump of them, right? Like you could kind of just wait and see, right? Whichever one of those five guys drops to you, you can take them. It's sort of the way I look at it in DWC for D end because it was such a deep rookie class of D ends. I just waited and let everybody else take. I knew I was still going to get somebody that I kind of liked right after the guys that I really, really wanted got poached or, you know, when I got sniped here and there, I said, you know, I don't really, there's like a, a clump of them together. And if I get Bosky, I get Bosky, you know, like, and, and now I'm pumped that I got Bosky at like 32 or 33. Well, it's just sort of the same thing with linebacker. And in our NWO draft, which I suspect won't really happen, right. maybe for some others, but it could too, though. But Drew Sanders falls, well, Trenton Simpson fell down to 33, uh, which I found was kind of late, right? Like uh, it was early third round value versus late second round value where, I kind of had him pegged and this because of the landing spot and the, the fact the, Pat, the presence of Patrick Queen, but I really feel in the end sooner or later that he'll beat him out. Um, and then uh, Sanders just, you know, he's got to wait a year bottom line and that's whether or not he can pick up the mental side of it enough to wear the green dot in Denver, which is a big ask. So, but they're still going to find a way to use him. I don't care. Right. His pass rush potential is, there and you know what i mean they're gonna find a way to use them no matter what but there's a whole clump of them right of yeah so you can kind of just say which one do the other guys leave me with if you feel like because of the combination of talent evaluation and landing spot that they're sort of all similar right and it is a weak linebacking class in general so after campbell you kind of just sit back and wait and then there's guys that i hated from a talent evaluation standpoint or hated their tape or, you know what I mean? There were some major red flags, like, like Henley had some major red flags with his USC tape. Dorian Williams had some major red flags with his UCF tape, but there, there's a good chance that they could end up, you know, producing right. because of their situation. Yep. I got Campbell, <clears throat> excuse me. I got Campbell and Simpson as my top two linebackers. Um, I agree with you on Simpson, you know, what he can do. Uh, I think Campbell's the one-on-one easily. Uh, I just think the volume and the fit there in Detroit is going to be something else. Um, I did have a sleeper, and it was Henry Toa Toa, right? Um, mm -hmm. Liked him at Tennessee, kind of pissed off at him because he transferred and went to Bama. Uh, the devil school, uh, <laughs> third third uh, Saturday in October, but uh, that's being biased, right? That's being – that's my Tennessee ball fandom coming out. Um, but the same thing that Nick Saban said about him is the same thing I saw when he played for Tennessee, right? He He's so smart football IQ-wise, game study, film, all that. He's going to get you lined up. He's going to get you in spot the whole defense – and he's going to know what to do at the snap of the ball. Is he the most athletic? Is he the most gifted, most talented? No, he's not. But his instincts 
and ability to read and break down puts him so far out of the game that it ain't funny. And in Houston, right, there's a real good shot that he could start down there. Real good shot. I believe that. But uh, that's just kind of where I'm at with the linebackers. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so let's go to safeties. And for me, it was Jordan Battle, Sidney Brown. I think that's the one-two. And after listening to you, which I had him ranked pretty high in my rankings among safeties, but we both sat here during the draft and was like, whoa, what's going on, right? You a little more than me because you were super high on him. But he landed in Jacksonville, Antonio Johnson, right? There's a huge opportunity down there for him. So um, I know they have some other safeties that I like down there, but you're a big Johnson guy. So um, who are your safeties? You want to talk about Johnson? I feel like we've been talking about it over and over again, but uh, we have a little bit. Yeah, I mean, still, I mean, we're answering a question here. Yeah, so you, you like to make you like to you like to make sure that uh, everybody knows that I planted my flag on him. Well, that's fine. Uh, hey, I had him yeah. in my top five, so I'm with you. It's not just you. There was no. a lot of people thought Antonio Johnson was getting drafted high. A lot of people. Well. For me, it's Sidney Brown, obviously, with the Eagles. I have him as a top 10 IDP for 2023 out of my rookies. And nice. uh, uh, begrudgingly, Jartavius Martin because of the draft capital to the commanders. And I do like Jordan Battle's situation, but right. the more I watched him, that's something else I had written down in my notes, actually. The more I watched uh, Bama tape and I kind of – like he likes to get in the mix. He likes to stick his nose in there more than um, – Brian Branch, so I kind of liked him from IDP perspective more and definitely value-wise previously, like I've discussed previously. But uh, now it's sort of reversed, and uh, Brian Branch landed in a worse situation, so he's probably good value now, right? Uh, right, and right. I, I, but but um, the Bengals situation is what I was looking at. And I started – and I caught a little bit of the Bills and the Bengals uh, – playoff game and I was looking at Dax Hill Dax Hill was playing pretty close to the line of scrimmage he was playing kind of a big nickel sort of role with uh, covering tight ends and uh, so I started rethinking that and I know we discussed this previously and also I mean they signed Nick Scott from the Rams so they have him you know not at a huge number or anything but also uh, they have him in the mix right and so they don't have to rush uh, Jordan Battle in there, but I'm seeing Jordan Battle more as the free safety now. And, uh, but I mean, everything's interchangeable in the modern NFL, and that's what, you know, that's what you want. Uh, be able to mix up your coverages, and you're not going to know where your blitzes are coming from, and just different things, right? But uh, Dax Hill played closer to the line of scrimmage than I thought, because I was more thinking he was more the free safety, but I could see Jordan Battle kind of going in there, and I could see. Nick Scott, you know, being a backup and with what they're paying him, you know, there's a chance. But I I, uh, I have Jordan Battle at 19 right now. He's in my top 20, but I'm a little lower than I initially, when I first heard the landing spot, I was like, oh, yeah, Bengals, they need a safety. You know, they lost Von Bell and they lost uh, your boy to Atlanta. But um, Jesse Bates. I'm, yeah, but I'm uh, not – I, I dropped him a few spots, I guess, is what we'll say. Well, well here's my shot at you. Listen to me here. So, but Hold on. One thing I have to mention, and I hate it, 
because I can't stand this player. It's Jair <laughs> Brown. He's got no competition, right? And it no. sucks that he landed in San Fran for me because I wanted to be right about being low on him from a talent evaluation standpoint. But now I can't. I have to begrudgingly – I've been moving him up steadily, and I still feel like I got him too low, and I might have to move him up again. You know, I could easily see him being this year's sort of Jalen Petrie, and I could eat – well, not quite – but you know what I mean? Like for me, as far as a guy that I didn't really love in the talent evaluation process that landed in a good spot and I have to eat crow, right? That's kind of the way I feel about Jair Brown because he, they don't have much there. You know, at safety for the Niners, they got a Fonga and, you know, it's sort of up in the air after that. He could step in and start from day one. So he could very easily be the safety too, which sucks for me to have to say, but sorry, go ahead. <laughs> No, you're fine. Um, that's good stuff, man. That's uh, that's what I like to hear. And he wants to know, kind of piggybacking on the safety thing here, potential waiver wire safety targets with breakout potential, meaning likely a player dropped to due to an injury that is back. Instantly to me is Jamal Adams, right? Uh, kind of been mm-hmm. – with his injury, he kind of fell off the freaking map, right? Almost mm-hmm. to the a parallel to Darius Leonard or Shaquille Leonard, whatever you want to call him. Um, those two have kind of had similar tracks, but if you're looking for safety with that big breakout potential, it's easily him, especially when you've heard the rumors that he could play linebacker. You can get That's Jamal it. Adams That's for pennies on the right dollar. There. You can get him for penny on the dollar. He's going to play safety for it. Even if he does play some linebacker snaps, that's a win. I think the value, I mean, for me, is there. If he's talking about rookies, then I think it's, I think Jordan Battles the guy. But, um, well, well, he said it's only coming you, off an injury that's on a waiver wire. So that's got to be somebody that was playing last year. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, it's for be me, a that's It's not a rookie. True. But, um, you know, there's sort of been um, a template or a precursor or precedence for this. And right away, I blanked on the guy's name. He used to play for Washington, big safety. And uh, I believe he went on to the Giants um, and sort of got moved to the linebacker role. But the thing about Jamal Adams is the injury he's coming back from. And I touched on it last time, but it's very difficult to come back from. I'm not saying he can't do it. I don't have any clue where he's at in his rehab. Seems like he's doing well, but, you know, coach speak, you know, reading between lines and stuff. I mean, you're just going to say that no matter what. I mean, with the severity of the injury, you know, if he's doing anything really, which he's probably doing, I mean, these are professional athletes. He's probably doing fairly well, right? But you're never going to know until you get out there and, push it a hundred percent and it's it's like 50 50 man flip a coin it's a tough one but i don't know who else he could possibly be referring to really um but i never really looked in, into it and i could look into it for this person uh and get back to uh get back to it at a later date but yeah uh i i'm personally like off Jamal Adams, but I mean, there's always, it just depends on how much you got to pay, right? It's all about value. If you can get guys for dirt cheap, for nothing, for 
you know, why not? Big shot. You know what I mean? If their values, it's just like the stock market. You know, like you're going to pull all your stocks out when the stock, when, when the market crashes, or are you going to look at it as an opportunity? If you look at it as an opportunity, right. you're going to win in the long run. The player you was thinking about was Landon Collins. Yes, exactly. And uh, so, but he's kind of falling right off the map, right? And I could see right. something like that happening. You know, I, I'm not saying it will, and I don't think it will. But it's not out of the realm of possibility. And um, I don't know. I could maybe look up what other safeties are injured from last year that that he could be referring to but that would be the one that stands out like sore thumb right like somebody who used to be like a lock safety one even right. three years ago two three years ago that now is coming off injury i'm assuming that's exactly who he's talking about but like it's yep. all about price you know like yep. we can sit here the price. Till we're blue in the face but i really just have to see exactly what you're looking at and what you can get him for like if he's on the freaking waiver wire if if jamal adams is on the waiver wire yeah you go take him go grab him you know what yeah. i mean like it would be he, hard he, for me he, to he, imagine he, he's he, on the waiver wire but yeah go get him if he is yeah well i don't know I'll, who else was hurt under the big safeties last year uh, uh, let me just take a look marcus may maybe yeah, maybe, but maybe. I don't really consider um, him like. Uh, yeah, I don't either. So, kind of a tricky I mean, question. Yeah, but that, sure. that's somebody that had a kind of a breakout IDP campaign the year before last, and but uh, right. uh, yeah, I guess you know the same thing though. I mean, sure, take Marcus May off the waiver wire, right? Um, right. And, and maybe this is a shallow league, right, where you can only have a certain number of IDPs. Uh, you that's know, not everybody's like dedicated as us where you have 100 IDPs, but maybe it's a, a short IDP league. And in that case, I could see a Marcus May mm -hmm. or Jamal Adams being dropped, especially if it's a redraft or something. But, um, yeah, I think they're both bounce backs. Um Anything else before we go? Because I know we got a Patreon if you've got time coming up. So um, I'm itching to get into that. But um, anything else you want to talk about? And I'm not rushing you. I mean, anything you – any questions, any thoughts on some of these questions that we've had, topics? Um, uh, I'm looking into it a little more, and I'm seeing, uh, like, Brandon Jones, and I'm a Dolphins fan, and – I mean, they signed Deshaun Elliott. Uh, I was never a big Brandon Jones guy, so maybe that's somebody that's coming off injury that he's thinking about because he scores relatively high, like on a points-per-game basis. Um, Marcus Williams is somebody that, like, I, I'm oh, sort Marcus of high Williams on. And he, can, he can get cheap enough. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's a buy low, I guess it's the way I would explain. And Tracy Walker's got to be who he's talking about now that I think about it. Tracy Walker is oh, somebody yeah, we talked that, about yeah, this the other day. Yeah, I mean, he's coming off an Achilles, which is a really rough injury, but he's his progress to this point has been pretty good. Like, uh, so barring a setback, and you know, I mean, there's medical marvels now. It's not. It's, uh, talk about this every single time. I feel like I'm repeating myself over and over again. But yeah, I mean, 
I would definitely take a shot on Tracy Walker. Uh, there's a lot depends on your format though. Like how many spots you got, uh, you know, who do you already have? Like where, where are we, where are we uh, sacrificing in order to make that move or, you know, what, like if I looked at your roster and you know what I mean, I could make the assessment just like that. But yeah, that'd be somebody uh, worth taking a shot on. And I mean, now Brian Branch is there too. So the presence of Branch complicates things, but still, I'm still going to take that chance, you know, for any of those guys, Tracy Walker, uh, Marcus Williams, Brandon Jones, I'd be less likely to, but I could see somebody doing that. And I think maybe that's just my bias and hatred of uh, the player, you know what I mean? Getting in the way maybe, but also I think Deshaun Elliott was brought there for a reason. And I don't know. And I love Deshaun Elliott. Um, so. You know, I thought of him coming from Detroit last year. We talk about the the log jam there now. Just imagine if Elliott was still there, right? Played for Detroit last year. Hundred, mm. uh, uh, not a hundred. Excuse me, ninety six um, tackles, seventy three so. So, I like to fit in Baltimore that third safety, um, which seems to kind of be the trend now. Uh, so I still like him there. Uh, like Marcus Williams, I, that was a great one there. Uh, I didn't even think of him until you said it. So, yeah, Marcus Williams could be. Well, he did come back um, at the end of the year. He was just injured for a little stretch there, like a month, yeah. month, month and a half or something. And the last thing I'll say about the Detroit thing in Brian Branch is speed receivers are going to give him trouble. I went by I, – so I thought maybe I was unfair with my assessment of him, and I think I am a little too harsh on him, right? Uh, same as – you know, Dion Henley, same as like I'm, I'm harsh on some of these guys and uh, Dorian Williams and uh, Brian Branch, right? But it's when guys put are put up on a pedestal, right? And I go and look, and then I say, well, no, that does not add up, right? I don't see it on tape the way that people are describing them to me, you know, and why are they so high? So when they're up there, that's the guys that I can say, no, I'm, you know, I'm, lo- I'm much lower after watching tape on these guys. But so Branch gets toasted by your boy, uh, and we're probably going to talk about him more in, in this uh, from the looks of things on uh, Patreon or whatever, Jalen Hyatt. Now, some of it was uh, Helm's fault too, and, and there was other safeties involved. It wasn't all him, but he did get just flat out burnt and roasted deep, uh, and, and then he got uh, toasted for another touchdown by Hyatt on a slanting in. Uh, Kind of a a red was a was a red zone situation, and also he but he was he was there he was in the mix but he, I mean the facts the facts yep. at the end of the day, and then he got a pass interference on him as well. I do find he does a good job on those like sort of underneath routes the hooks and the in breaking routes from like from a tight end perspective like I could see him playing slot corner right away. I could see him like closer to the line of scrimmage he's better. Do you want him playing over the top? Making sure nobody gets deep, I don't like it, you know, because I went right. and wa- I, the whole point of this is I went and watched the Texas tape after this to give him another shot, and he did do some things well, but again, he got roasted by Xavier Worthy. It didn't end up counting, I don't believe, but Quinn Ewers threw a, a nice pass to Xavier Worthy, and it would have been a touchdown. It would have been six in the NFL for sure. I think Worthy didn't control the catch all the way to the ground and through the ground is what had happened. But 
again, Brian Branch got roasted deep. Right. Um, he's definitely better in the in zone coverage where he can kind of play downhill in the slot where he can blitz and stuff like that. I agree with you. Uh, we've talked about Brian Branch and Detroit's defensive back situation at length, I think, <laughs> the last few weeks. Even when we've not been recording, that's been – with me and you, that's been one of our bigger topics, right? Just the whole mumbo jumbo of it. So, um, good stuff, man. Um, thank everyone for the listener questions. Um, at hate mail 375 on Twitter or on Reddit. Thank you. You're a new listener, new follower. We appreciate you. Um, appreciate our sponsors. If I could talk MFL, Trophy Smack, um, Action 24-7, Gambling Site locally owned for Tennesseans by Tennesseans. Um, a good show, dude. Um, I can't wait to get into the Patreon. Um, for those of you who are Patreons, we are going to talk a little offense when we get there and some other things. So a little bit of out of our normal – comfort zone or our normal identity that we do without EP. So uh, yeah, go over to Patreon and check us out there. We'll continue the show over there here in just a moment. Um, good stuff, dude. Um, by the way, your website, ID, idpmadman.com is up and running. It's a great site. Go check it out. Uh, he's put a lot of work into it. Videos, articles, rankings, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, you can follow him on YouTube as well. Uh, go check that out. And for him and, and us at IDP Nation, follow, rate, subscribe, and review wherever you're listening to the podcast. Uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, wherever. Uh, if you go to YouTube, same thing. Hit that subscribe and like button. It helps us grow. Um, the more we grow, the better we can get, right? And that's what we're after. Um, we're after to help you as well with your IDP rosters, questions, whatever. So uh, we thank you because we wouldn't have this show if we didn't have a platform and listeners that liked us. So thank you very much. We're about to head to Patreon. Um, and we'll be back uh, next week with another show. But until then, check us out on Patreon.